0: This episode of Theater Notes is brought to you by the OnStage Blog Podcast Network at onstageblog.com. And welcome, folks, to another edition of Theater Notes. I am your host, Chris Peterson, founder of Onstage Blog. So glad you're joining me today on what will be a very busy discussion about, basically, Broadway. Uh, we're talking about the restarting of Broadway as a bunch of shows announced their reopening plans. Also today, we are going to talk about an article that uh, is kind of making... Some some impact and some headway um, on the blog itself. We're going to be talking about how community theaters seem to have a an issue when it comes to protecting their problematic male talent. So we're going to get into all that today on this podcast. But first things first, let's talk about the big news of the day. That is that most of Broadway has announced that they are returning, so to speak. We got a slew of shows. Uh, that announced their reopening dates uh, from Hamilton to Lion King to Wicked to Jagged Little Pill um, to new musicals that have not yet opened. So we're going to talk about some of these ones, the ones that we're obviously excited about, uh, the ones that we are hoping make some adjustments before they come back, uh, and ones that we definitely have serious reservations about um, as well. We're also going to talk about how uh, the industry basically needs to also address a couple things before they, they you know start unveiling these shows and rolling out the red carpet and and wanting people to buy tickets there are serious changes that are needed within the broadway industry and we need to talk about those um as well but let's start off with the big news um this was a huge day uh i, I think you know when i counted just now i think at least seven shows announced their reopening dates uh we got you know the big three jointly announcing on good morning america wicked uh the lion king and hamilton uh You know, as much as people want to deny or might, you know, be upset that uh, at the thought that tourism drives Broadway sales, let's be honest, it does. So having the three uh, most financially successful Broadway shows um, do this kind of joint announcement uh, to kind of restore confidence in in buying ticket sales again and things like that, uh, it makes sense to me. So obviously, Hamilton, Wicked, The Lion King, those shows are going to be fine. We all knew that they were going to come back. I was a little concerned about some of the other Disney properties, um, such as Aladdin, especially since Frozen closed uh, and they announced that they weren't coming back. But Aladdin is coming back as well. So is Jagged Little Pill, Tina the uh, the uh, Tina the Tina Turner musical, Ain't Too Proud, the Temptations musical is also coming back, um, and. Um, uh, MJ uh, announced their dates um, as well. So, uh, we're like I said, we're getting... Oh, and Moulin Rouge uh, also has, uh, and Book of Mormon have apparent openings, although nothing official has been announced yet. So let's talk about the ones that we're really excited about. Obviously, the big ones we're really excited about. I'm thrilled that Tina, uh, the Tina Turner musical Ain't Too Proud um, are coming back as well. Um, those are shows that obviously embrace uh, a diversity and, and obviously... Uh, offer a ton of opportunities uh, for black performers. So the more we have that on Broadway, I think the better. And any show that has a diverse cast, um, I want to see back on Broadway just as much as anybody. So that I think is something that should definitely be celebrated. I saw Ain't Too Proud. It's maybe the most fun I've had at a theater in a while. I'm not going to lie. If you love... The Temptations, obviously, but if you just love dancing in your seat, if you love good music, go see Ain't Too Proud. It is an incredible show um, on that end, so um, really, really happy that that one's coming back. Shows that I am having, I guess you could say, some reservations about. So let's talk about Jagged Little Pill. We all know about Jagged Little Pill's issues when it comes to its inclusion of trans and non-binary characters. It's been called out many times in the media. Uh, if you haven't read Christian Lewis's piece in The Brooklyn Rail, please go read it. They do an incredible breakdown of, of really what the issue is. So go read that piece because it's, it's absolutely incredible. And congratulations to Christian on writing it. Um, so this is an issue that needs to be talked about. Now in the statement that the show came out with, they did some, I guess you could say in a way address the the controversy um in a very ambiguous uh way. Here's the statement from the producers. This past year was a heartbreaking and horrible time for our industry and our entire world at large, but we were continuously inspired by our company ...who use this time to encourage their community and fans through art and activism. We watch them grow and evolve as human beings and as artists... ...and we are eagerly looking forward to the moment this fall... ...when they can reunite with audiences through the power of live theater. We will also be putting into place... ...and this is where it gets important... We will also be putting into place new structures, processes, and support systems at the theater to help us heal and make space for one another in order to strengthen as a company after this long, difficult interim. Um, It's important that we as a theater community don't just go back, but go forward, working to help create safer and more inclusive and more equitable Broadway. Um, So, lot to take in from that statement it is broad it is ambiguous there is no specific discussion surrounding the character of joe talking about what changes they've made um there's no specifics here so we can take this statement in a couple different ways we can take it as genuine like producers are listening and hopefully they're going to make changes we can also take it as Performance activism, and they're just being vague, and they're not really going to do anything. They're just doing this to kind of satisfy, you know, the Twitter chatter, so to speak, the people that are speaking out rightfully um, on the issues with the show. So uh, we'll see. Well, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna follow up on this very carefully. I've got a ton of contacts that work on the show, um, so I will be following up with them. But if if we're gonna take this as a genuine statement of Promising change then We need to obviously hold this production Accountable so that That is going to be on my radar going Forward the other show that Um definitely needs To be talked about is Book of Mormon and Although they haven't made an official Announcement yet of their reopening Um t- uh, Ticketmaster Has kind of started advertising or, or listing dates um For them um in in late September Um So we've talked about Book of Mormon in the past on the blog. I wrote a piece late last year um, saying that when Broadway returns, does Book of Mormon need to be part of that group? Uh, Because there are really important issues to discuss with that show. Yes, I get it. It's satire. Yes, I get it. It's comedy. I'm, I'm the biggest South Park fan you can imagine. So I get it. I don't, I don't need that. I don't need satire explained to me. The problem that I talked about in that article, and you can go back and, and, and read it on the blog, is that, you know, yes, it's satire, but the depictions of Ugandans um, sometimes cross a line. It is, it is, or I shouldn't say sometimes, cross, cross the line. Um, and the fact that they're concentrating on Uganda and depicting Uganda as as what it is in the show is actually factually incorrect. Um, it, it's it's never been like that, really. Um, and I I put some data in the, in the article to kind of show like, you know, when they created this musical, it almost felt like they threw a dart at at Africa and picked what they assumed was the poorest nation on the continent, which um, if you look at it, or the most AIDS-ridden country on the continent, which if you look at the facts, Uganda has never been in the top 10 of either of those categories. So, and in this time when we're trying to obviously provide more opportunities, um, you know, worthwhile opportunities for black performers, uh, is Book of Mormon that type of show? Is it, you know, is it one of those shows that we should, be welcoming back with open arms. That's not really a, a, a question that I should answer it, it, Cause it's not my place. If it's, if we were talking about flower drum song, if we were talking about the King and I as an Asian person, I would have a lot of opinions on that, but it is fair to ask that question about book of Mormon. In fact, um, thankfully, since that article came out and since there's been a lot of discussion about this show, the producers have had discussions with the cast about the show itself. Uh, I've, I've. There's a great article in the Broadway Journal, which talks about the communication that's been going on within the production uh, to address the stereotypes, to address the way that these performers uh, portray these characters and whatnot, and and what is the. Um, future of the show going to look like. So, Book of Mormon, and, and also keep in mind, this is a Scott Rudin production. So we're talking about a show that uh, is, is one of the few musicals, long-term musicals, that Scott Rudin has had success on Broadway. He has stepped back. He has resigned from the Broadway League. I'm assuming he's still going to get, I don't know, royalties or funds that come from Book of Mormon's, you know, financial success. But... um. You know that's that's something also that needs you know is worth mentioning. So is if Book of Mormon doesn't come back to Broadway, is that going to be um, <clears throat> a huge loss? In a way, yes. I mean, we're talking about a show that does employ dozens of black performers you know, in the New York City area, and like I said before, the more shows that do this, the better, but like I said, we want these roles, we want these shows to, you know, be, be worthwhile, <clears throat> that are not roles that, um, you know, they're you know these performers are you know forced to perform stereotypes and things like that so again we had you know i'm all for more opportunities but we really also need to make sure we're looking at these opportunities and making sure that they are worthwhile uh for these performers so like i said if book of mormon doesn't come back i'm not going to miss it i'm not going to lie i'm not going to miss it but at the same time i do want i still want that employment for those actors so if there's if there's changes that can be made Um, do it. Why not? I I think it's, you know, the show's been around for 10 years now. Um, might as well, might as well try. Um, finally, let's talk about a show that I guess you could say I, I, I really have serious reservations about, and I seriously have said in the past, why are we doing this? And we're talking about MJ, the musical. And again, I hate the fact that we're talking about a show that is going to employ a number of black artists, a number of black technicians, a number of, of, of BIPOC people that need more work on the great white way. But the subject matter of the show is something to talk about. Is Michael, were was Michael Jackson a talented, successful artist? Yes. Did I love listening to his albums? Absolutely. Do I still like his music? When, when I won't lie when some of his songs come on i I'm, I'm i'm dancing in my seat because they're good songs having said that michael jackson is a problematic figure to be talking about and to be featuring on broadway the, you know whether or not you're someone that believes the multiple accusations of you know sexual abuse on children um, you know that's something that is worth talking about. That is something that needs a conversation because, at at at, it, at the very least, Michael Jackson admitted to doing inappropriate things with children, sleeping in the same bed with children, doing you know having um, physical contact that went beyond um, what you would do with a child. Okay, so at the very least, he did inappropriate things with children. At the very worst, he was a monster, a monster sexual abuser of children. So best, worst and least, um, is this a show that we should be doing on Broadway? I say no. That's just me. That's just me. Um, it is not a show that I'm going to promote on my blog, on our social networks. Uh, it is not a show I'm going to see. Uh, I find it... Uh, the parties that are involved with it, you know, not, I'm not talking about the performers. I'm talking about on the creative team. Um, I don't get it. It's not a show that I expect that is going to, um, address the things that we should be talking about when it comes to Michael Jackson. I know it's probably going to be just a very, you know, kind of celebratory, like let's gloss over the, the trouble that he was in. Or if we're going to address it, we're going to address it as, you know, Oh my gosh, these terrible people are coming after me and making these wild accusations. It's not going to have the serious, nuanced conversation that we need to be having about Michael Jackson and a Michael Jackson musical on Broadway. And that's why I was critical of Lynn Nottage when I heard that she was writing the book for it. That's why I was critical of everybody who's involved with it. Everybody's involved with it, except for the cast. The cast is just trying to get a job, so I get it. And um, it's it's unfortunate that I can't, you know, promote it, uh, but I won't. It's just, it's something I won't do. So, um, other sites can, other sites can promote MJ all they want. I'm not going to do it. I don't think it should be on Broadway. It's not, it's not the right time. It's never been the right time. It will never be the right time for this type of, of piece to come out. So that's how I feel. That's how I feel. Um, so that's that. I mean, are there some other exciting, you know, um, openings that we, we heard the off Broadway production revival of Little Shop of Horrors is coming back, um, I, I doubt that Jonathan Groff and Christian Borle are going to be attached to it, but you know we'll see who, who they get because that's exciting. I love that show. Personally, I, I was in it, so um, I'm, I'm very biased <laughs> towards that, that show, but uh, we shall see. But like I said, these announcements are coming. Some things that I'm liking that I'm seeing are, like I said, the diversity of a lot of these shows. A lot of these shows that are announced that they're returning um, has been great. So keep it up. What I don't like seeing is some of the um service charges that Ticketmaster and and some of these ticket sellers are doing. Uh it is outrageous. Um so my my personal suggestion folks is if you are looking to buy tickets to these shows go directly to the show's website or go directly to the box office things like that if you can uh because this way you can save some money on those on those service charges cuz those are just Those will get you. Um, And uh, finally, real quick, before we switch topics, um, you know, I've said this a couple times, and i said this in a couple tweets, that we are, you know, just a little bit over 100 days until Broadway reopens. I think it's like 126 days until September 14th. And we as fans, we as Broadway audience goers, if that makes sense, can absolutely get excited about the return of this medium that we love. I miss live theater like you have no idea. I used to go see a show, and again, I, I don't want this to sound like, you know, I'm bragging, but living in the tri-state area, working in New York City constantly, I saw a Broadway show every single week. And um, I miss that feeling. And I had the same feeling every single time I went to the theater. Every single time the lights went down, I had that same butterfly, you know, buzzy feeling in my gut. And I enjoyed, you know, the show from start to finish, whatever I was seeing, I enjoyed being there. And I miss that feeling so much. And I cannot wait to get it back. At the same time, we need to make sure that we are calling to attention the changes that need to be made within the industry. We have spent more than a year and when i say we i mean sites like mine writers like me activists um incredibly brave individuals that have come forward with their own stories and claims and allegations and things like that we have spent the better part of more than a year calling out and demanding begging asking for change on a number of different issues and while we have certainly heard you know certain individuals and entities pledging that they will change, especially on the regional level. So congrats to a lot of regional theaters out there for, for taking that step. What we haven't heard is vows or promises of change from the Broadway powers that be. Now, back a couple of years ago, I got into an argument with someone, um, who shall remain nameless for now until she does something that really ticks me off. Mm-hmm. Um, about like how we how we address the Broadway elites, you know it's you know she tried to point out to me that like you know it, it the business doesn't work like this blah blah blah. I I reject that okay. When we call it the Broadway powers that be, I'm talking about the Broadway League, I'm talking about theater owners, I'm talking about major theater producers, okay. I'm talking about the Actors Equity, I'm talking about IATSE, I'm talking about all those unions and groups and things like that. Those are the Broadway powers that be. And what we need to hear from them are plans. We need to hear what Actors' Equity's plan is for Broadway now. What is their safety protocols? Is it going to be the same as it's been for the past year? Or are things changing? Members need to know. Okay, And they're saying it on social media. What's the plan? What's the protocol? Tell us, please. We need to hear about what casting is going to do differently? What are casting directors going to do differently to make sure that the representation of both um, BIPOC performers, performers of different sizes, trans and non-binary performers, all of that, what is going to be done to make sure that these folks are seen in the room just as much as the cis white performers as well? Okay? What is going to be done? What strategies are you coming up with? What plans do you have to increase casting representation on Broadway? That's what I need to know. Also, on the, on the long laundry list of things that need to be changed, in terms of creating safe spaces and, and creating um, systems and processes to make sure that we are not continuing down the road of systemic racism against BIPOC performers. What are we doing? How are productions preparing for this? Are they putting through all their production staff, all of their cast, all their designers and technicians and running crew and all these stagehands and things like that? Are they all getting anti-racism, um, you know, uh, unconscious bias training? All of that stuff. Is that, what are they doing? And then also in terms of equal pay for equal work. We've seen it before every, you know, every year before the pandemic, we got that report of how, um, different genders are paid on Broadway and also regional theaters and things like that. And there was huge pay discrepancies between male workers, female workers. Now, when we talk about, you know, gender inclusion, we're going to be looking at trans and non-binary employees as well. Okay. So equal pay, that's something that needs to be addressed as well. So all these issues need to be addressed and the, the disturbing thing that I've seen and the worrisome thing that I've seen is that I haven't seen anybody say anything yet from any of these organizations. I mean, yes, Actors' Equity and the unions are, are doing certain things, but in terms of the things that we really need to see from from the industry itself, from the producers, theater owners, casting directors and whatnot, we haven't we haven't seen a damn thing. And as we get closer, because auditions are happening now, folks. Auditions are happening now. Rehearsals are starting now. Um, the, The less I hear, the more worried I'm getting that nothing's going to change. And I'm preparing myself for that. And I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't have to do that. No, nobody should. Nobody should start preparing themselves that nothing is going to change. But here we are. Here we are. So I am hoping that in the next week or so, we are starting we're going to start to hear from these powers that be how things are going to be different going forward none of us wanted a pandemic none of us wanted a pandemic but we wanted an event that would force the industry to look at its, itself in the mirror and figure out how it could change for the better i've been hoping for that for years we needed to have some sort of event that forced The industry to look themselves in the mirror. Again, none of us wanted a pandemic, but we wanted an event. We've had it. What are we going to do going forward? So that's my hope. Okay, let's take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to talk about an article on the blog right now that is making a lot of noise um, about community theaters uh, and how they protect their problematic male talent. So More on that in just a second. Let's take a quick break, but you're listening to Theater Notes with Chris Peterson. Back in a second. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? This is it. Five, six, seven, eight. Hi folks, it's Chris Peterson from Onstage Blog here. Just want to let you know we've got a brand new episode of the Movie Musical Shakedown this week where we are talking about Barbra Streisand's Funny Girl. Yes, this is the first Barbra Streisand movie musical we're featuring on the podcast. So I am very, very excited about it. If you are a lover of movie musicals, you will absolutely love the Movie Musical Shakedown. It's hosted by me and my wife, Nicole. uh, And we basically watch a movie musical every single week, break it down, talk about the things that we loved, didn't love, uh, also hand out some pretty prestigious awards, if I do say my, so myself, and also talked about what we thought about the acting, the music, the design, the dancing, all that fun stuff, so like I said, if you love movie musicals you will love the movie musical Shakedown, you can find it right here on OnStageBlog at OnStageBlog.com by going to the top of the page and searching podcasts, that podcast can also be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, we'll see you, you, you soon You I hold a PhD in horribleness. See you at the aftermath. Peace. And we're back. This is Theater Notes. I'm Chris Peterson, founder of Onstage Blog. Thanks for joining me. Um, On the blog right now, uh, I posted this the other day. It is an article... That has been on my mind for, for quite some time, uh, to be completely honest with you. It is something that has been um, kind of mulling around in my head because I've been um, fortunate enough to speak with um, a ton of performers um, in you know community theaters that have sadly and unfortunately been the victims um, and um, have been targeted and have to endure... Everything from sexual harassment to sexual assault to um, bullying to, you know, all these different types of um, just unethical and and illegal behaviors, mostly by male talent within their communities. And the piece is called The Community Theaters Need to Stop Protecting Their Problematic Men. And I told a story about this this young lady named, quote unquote, Leslie, that's not her real name, but, um, and how you know, she had been sexually harassed by one of her male co-stars, actually her scene partner and co-romantic lead of the show that they were in. And, um, how she had gotten like, you know, unwanted emails and texts. And there were, um, unwanted contacts, inappropriate comments, um, just left and right. And it all kind of culminated at, uh, the opening night of the show where these two characters share a kiss and, when they kissed the actor made a physical movement that they had not rehearsed he basically put his arm around the girl um on her on her her buttocks um and extended their kiss for you know she told me it felt like forever but it was it was like a few more seconds than what they had rehearsed um after that obviously she was incredibly upset she went to the director went to the producer and said look i am not going to do this show unless you address this and keep in mind she had already brought this up to the director she had already brought this up to the stage manager uh previously when all these texts and unwanted contact and all this other stuff was going on and nothing was done and she was basically told by other performers in the area that look um this guy has done this before he will do it again but he will keep getting cast because this director this this theater, this community theater community needs him. Uh, he's a talented performer. and apparently that trumps everything else. So that to me, when I heard that story, the bell went off because I've heard that countless times before. You know, we talk about you know, we make that joke all the time that like, oh my gosh, the lack of men, talented men in community theater. It's like, oh my gosh, if you get if you get that one talented guy, That's your unicorn. That's your golden goose. Cast them as much as you possibly can because of the, you know, just the fact that it's hard to find, you know, talented guys in in some of these communities. Um, I know that firsthand. Okay. I, I've directed theater in some of these communities where it's tough to find um, talented guys. Um, But the problem is, is that when some of these guys understand that and know how, how much of a commodity their talents are, they start to take advantage. And they start to do things that are unacceptable on production. Now, you know, missing a rehearsal, being late to rehearsal, um, not taking down director's notes, just, you know, being disrespectful in the re- rehearsal period. That's one thing. Okay. Sexual misconduct, assault, um, harassment, all of that is a completely different thing. And the problem that we're starting to see, and that's what I'm, what's being reported to me, is that theaters... Are either ignoring or condoning, not condoning, but ignoring or tolerating um, that type of behavior because they're afraid to lose that male talent. So they have no problem, apparently, that their female cast members, their female talent, is being harassed on a daily basis because they can't lose that one tenor that they want because they have to cast him in three other shows that year. And sure enough, Leslie told me that. The following year, after the director and the producer swore that they would never let cast this this actor again, he was cast in the very next show <laughs> that season as again the lead. So this is what I'm talking about. And I shared that article and it's gotten a ton of response because a lot of people can empathize with that because that's happening in their communities. We're talking about these communities that don't have a large roster of male talent. And let me my message to these theaters is very clear. Look. There is not a single talent in this world, okay, that is worth putting your performers at risk on a daily basis when it comes to this stuff. There's not a single talent. I don't care if it's a community theater actor. I don't care if it's someone on the level of you know Mandy Patinkin talent. Okay, it's not worth it. And if you and the problem that we're starting to see, what's being very pointed out very clearly, is that a lot of these theater boards and officials have absolutely no training when it comes to sexual harassment prevention and misconduct, you know, assault prevention, awareness, how to report it properly. They don't have they don't have that training or know how to do it because they've never had to do this before. And they're ill-equipped. So we've talked about in the past, if you're a community theater that has that problem, find the resources. Find a law firm find you know get training do what you need to do to protect your cast and your crew and all of that from these awful awful things that that are known to happen constantly so i'm hoping that as theaters come back as community theaters start to come back and resume their performances again they are doing things completely different than they were before they really need to take a hard look and see how have they catered to their male talent now i understand that there are some men out there that are like hey wait a second i've never done that okay i i'm not i'm not a bad guy well you know what bully for you then great job keep it up please i'm not talking about you okay we're talking about other men Okay, so again, it it is one of those things that needs addressing, it deserves addressing. Um, Community theaters have to, have to, have to stop protecting their rare male talent out of fear of losing it because it can lead to disastrous things. Okay, seldom does a month go by where I don't get an email telling me stories about this. And it just has to stop, and it's so easy to stop, because when it's reported to you, if you're the director, president, uh, artistic director of a theater, if this type of behavior is being reported to you, that should be the easiest decision those people should make: is to get rid of the people that are causing these problems. And yet, for some reason, they're not, because they're they're weighing talent more than. The other stuff. And that just can't happen. It's community theater. Now, I understand that these shows rely on ticket sales. And the more talented cast that you can get, the, the higher revenue potentially comes in. I understand that. But at the end of the day, is it worth it when half of your female talent pool disappears because they've been sexually harassed, assaulted by a male cast member? The same male cast member on an annual basis. Is it worth it at that point? I don't think so. I don't think so. So if you're a community theater out there that is that knows about this stuff and is not doing anything about that, cut the crap, reverse your policy, take action now. Also, if you're a theater out there and you you work for a community theater or represent a community theater and you're saying we don't have that problem, you know what? Double check. Triple check. Ask again. Make sure that people who um are going through this type of stuff can feel comfortable enough to come to you and report it. Because guess what? I guarantee it's likely happening and you have no idea because you're not open to getting that information. So I'm hoping that all of this changes. Again, this is going to be an interesting summer going into the fall because everything's opening back up. And as we get into this coming fall, obviously a year from now, when things really do start to return back to "quote unquote" normal, um, I'm going to be very, very interested to see how theaters are truly changing the way that they're doing their business. Because, again, if you're if you're making these changes from Broadway to community theater, the better for everybody. So why not do it? Why not do it? Um, all right, that's going to do it for me. <laughs> this was this was a great episode i'm really glad i was able to get out here and talk uh we're gonna obviously be doing more of these so check back uh in the future but um again you can listen to this podcast and all of our podcasts on the onstage blog podcast network and onstageblog.com by going to the top of the page clicking on podcasts and then you can see all of our shows um up there as well we've got a brand new episode of the movie musical shakedown a podcast that i typically host with my wife nicole and we've got a new episode this week we are doing barbara streisand's funny girl the first barbara musical movie musical on the podcast i am very excited about it and you'll hear my excitement um on the podcast i can't wait to talk about it so folks we'll see you right here next next time on theater notes i'm chris peterson see you soon